everyone, we're back with another podcast series, and this week we're continuing our conversation on missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, um, and today we have Stephanie Salivar, who is the Senior Policy Analyst for the Indian Affairs Department, um, and today she'll be speaking on IAD's efforts in relation to MMIW. So Stephanie, if you could introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Stephanie Salazar. Um, I currently work for the Indian Affairs Department as their senior policy analyst, and I'm Dene. My family's from Continental Divide, and my dad's family is from Las Vegas, New Mexico. I'm happy to be with you today. So the Indian Affairs Department has really dedicated and prioritized missing and murdered indigenous women and girls as one of its main initiatives um, under this administration. And so I also just wanted to say that a lot of this is in its beginning stages, um, just because the administration was newly introduced. But with that said, I'll go into our first question. Why is missing and murdered indigenous women and girls a priority for the state of New Mexico and therefore the Indian Affairs Department? So I believe this issue has always been um, important for our state. However, I don't think it's always received the amount of attention that it has received in the last couple of years. I think what has spurred a lot of this recent attention is a report that came out from the Urban Indian Health Institute, which identified that New Mexico had 78 cases of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Um, which was the highest number of cases out of all of the 71 cities that were surveyed in their report. So given that high um, number of women in our state, I think that there needed to be some type of response from our legislators, and I'm very happy that um, we have this bill that allows us to um, actually have a response now to this crisis in our state. So you briefly mentioned a bill um, regarding MMIW. Uh, can you please go into that briefly and also describe other initiatives that IAD is doing to address this topic? Yes, yeah, so the legislation that was passed was House Bill 278. Um, Representative Romero was the sponsor along with Representative Derek Lente. Um, the legislation mandates that the Indian Affairs Department convene a task force of 11 members uh, to study and report back to the legislature as to um, the status of um, why these cases are happening in our state. We're required to um, meet with tribal communities, um, with different experts in the field to talk about um, what are some of the solutions to this crisis and where where can the state respond? So we one thing we want to think about is what are the short-term solutions and what are some of the long-term solutions um, to respond to this crisis? We'll get into the specifics of what those short-term and long-term um, goals or initiatives are. But first I want to ask, what approach has the department taken to research, learn, and address the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls? So while we await for the task force members to actually be appointed, um, the department is taking some initial steps to really lay the foundation for our task force. A lot of that has been information gathering, 
um, reading through government reports, uh, such as the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights um, report that was issued in December of 2018, along with other uh, GAO reports. We've been looking at federal and state legislation, um, congressional testimony, as well as local reports that have been um, issued by different state departments. One of the um, most informative things that we have been doing as a department is attending community forums such as the Diné Relatives Forum that took place in Shiprock and um, you know other local events to allow us to hear from people who are dealing with this issue um, every day and um, their input and feedback is really critical to us moving forward on this task force because even though there are issues and um, responses from a federal level and we can look at other states and see what they're doing, New Mexico is really unique in how we're responding. And so it's important to hear from our um, community members about how the state should be looking and responding to this issue or this crisis. So for those who are listening that want to learn more about different federal legislation or state-led legislation, um, that's addressing the MMIW crisis. Can you please highlight some of the key legislation in regards to those? Yes, yeah, so I will start with the federal legislation. Right now, the department is tracking um, a few pieces of legislation, um, one of them being Savannah's Act. Um, this bill is important because it would require the Department of Justice to um, develop a strategy for notifying um, citizens about the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. A lot of people know that as the NamUs database. Um, and this is important because um, a lot of um, names are not always entered into NamUs. They might only be entered into NCIC. But it is important that um, these names be entered into both systems. And it's important for people to know that Anytime there is a missing person, um, they can enter that name into NamUs. You don't have to be a law enforcement agency. And that's also something that was recently passed within New Mexico, um, requiring our law enforcement to also start entering missing persons into the NamUs database. So um, this is important that it's um, within Savannah's Act. And another important thing about Savannah's Act is that it requires DOJ to develop guidelines for responding to cases of missing and murdered individuals and community members. Another important uh, piece of federal legislation is the Violence Against Women Reauthorization Act. Um, I think one critical piece here is that it requires the expanding of information sharing between police departments in Indian country, and um, and they would do this by having more tribes have access to the tribal access program. Um, a lot of people know that as the TAP program. So right now um, in our state, there's only a couple of tribes that actually have full access to TAP. And expanding this access is really important to increasing the level of communication um, between tribes and the feds, but also tribes and um, state law enforcement. So those are two pieces of federal legislation that we're um, tracking. There are many um, that are really important, but I think those two are noted by a lot of um, experts in the field as having a really good impact on tracking, especially the missing, missing persons. 
and then just real quickly um, to uh, first with regards to state legislation two states have um, legislation rec uh, related to MMIW that being Arizona and um, Washington State um, so both required, um, similar to New Mexico, a task force to study and report on these issues. And um, actually recently, Washington State Patrol issued their report on missing and murdered Native American women um, in their state. And so I encourage people to look for that report. And what we're doing right now is we're going through those reports and seeing what can um, we learn from their experiences through their task force. Um, thank you for highlighting some of those legislations um, taken on by the federal entities and also entities in Washington that are that are working in collaboration with different tribes there. Um, I just think that's important for the viewers to know so you can keep an eye on that as well. Um, but to kind of refocus back on the efforts here in New Mexico through the Indian Affairs Department, how are you guys currently working and are wanting to collaborate with the Navajo Nation, Apache Tribe, and Pueblos that are within the state of New Mexico on this matter? So as I mentioned earlier, I think it's really important that, um, well, one, the legislation requires that we work with tribal communities in addressing this problem. So tribal communities certainly have a voice in um, the recommendations that come out of this task force. Um, up to this point, even though the task force hasn't had their first meeting and they're not convened yet, um, the Indian Affairs Department has gone to different events. Um, one was hosted by the Navajo Nation, as I mentioned, the Diné Relatives Forum. Um, we've met with the APCG, um, with um, the All Indian Pueblo Council of Governors, and spoke about our efforts with this issue and hope to find more partnerships with their youth committee in the future. Um, and. You know, we are also looking at uh, different uh, Apache nations, such as Mescalero, who received grant funds to expand their victim services. So we really want to start looking at what is happening um, within our tribal communities in the state. Um, a lot of them do receive funding for um, services to victims of crime, and so how are they um, addressing violence within their communities at a local level. So some of that um, will require us to convene uh, tribal victim advocates and to hear about their experiences as well as engaging our tribal leadership. Um, so you heard both Stephanie and I briefly mention the task force. So before we go on into talking about that specifically, uh, I wanted to ask you a question regarding the Urban Indian Health Institute report on missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Um, so Stephanie also briefly touched on this earlier in our interview, but they issued a report listing the top 10 cities with the most missing and murdered indigenous women and girls cases. And within New Mexico, two cities were listed in that top 10 list, those cities being Albuquerque and Gallup. So what are the challenges in addressing the epidemic in urban areas? I think we have really big challenges in addressing this epidemic um, within urban areas. I think a large part of what the Urban Indian Health Institute report um, mentioned is that there's a big lack of record collecting and no formal process for collecting data. Um, whatever data is collected might 
not be completely reliable because there are concerns of racial misclassification, meaning that uh, Native American might be classified as Hispanic um, or vice versa. So I think data is one big aspect of why this is um, difficult because I think as it's said in the report, if we're not tracking the data, how do we even know where to start addressing this problem? I think another thing that we need to think about in our urban areas is that we have a lot of homeless um, people and a lot of times they don't seek out or are not receiving the types of services that they need. And this also leads to a lack of tracking and you know, and it's easy for people to go missing. And so we've heard from a number of families um, who have gone to different shelters, called different shelters, and, you know, maybe their loved one checked in a month ago, but there hasn't been anything since. So we need to make our shelters more friendly and meeting people where they are so that so that there is a comfort to go to these shelters and utilize these services so that the community knows these people are still okay, um, they can report back to their families. It would be nice if we had a more inclusive process for sheltering some of our homeless people. And I think if um, we had more resources for those existing agencies that are already doing this work, you know, that might be one way to start um, supporting the urban communities and also addressing this crisis. In New Mexico, I think the crisis of missing and murdered indigenous women is hard to address because we have rural communities, urban communities. Therefore, a task force has been put in place. Um, it was initiated through House Bill 278, the Missing Murdered Indigenous Women Bill, and it's been four months since the passing of that bill, which was signed by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. So Stephanie, can you talk about what exactly the task force is, um, maybe who's on the task force, and its current status? Yeah, so the current status of the task force, I'll start with that. Um, all of the names of the individuals, all um, have been submitted to the governor's office um, for for vetting. Uh, essentially, there is a process um, before they can actually be formally appointed, and um, we're still pending, you know, the outcome of that. We are hopeful that task force members will be appointed sooner than later, um, but, you know, there is a process for that, and we're going along with that process. Um, in total, the task force has 11 members. The chair of the task force will be the Secretary of Indian Affairs, uh, Lynn Trujillo, and we will also have um, the Secretary of Public Safety, or a designee, a representative of the BIA Office of Justice Services, one member uh, representing the Pueblo communities, one member of Hickory Apache Nation, one member of Mescalero Apache Nation, Navajo Nation. We will have someone from the Office of the Medical Investigator, as well as representatives um, who work for nonprofits that provide counseling and legal services to um, women and girls who have been victims of violence. And finally, um, and I think this is really important, that we will have an indigenous woman who has been a victim of violence or a family member of an indigenous woman who has been a victim of violence. I am really glad that the, that the legislators have considered to include the voice of a victim um, or their family on our task force. And actually, you know, it, it's probably better to call them a survivor of violence, but 
their perspective is really important and oftentimes gets lost at some of these, you know, state level conversations. And so I think I would call them experts, um, the different people that they've put together to make up this task force. Once they are appointed, we will certainly have our work cut out for us. This is an emergency bill, meaning that once it was signed, it became effective. So we just have to work really um, hard to make sure that we have a report to our legislators no later than November of 2020. So, um, you know, I think the support from the community will be very important in ensuring that this is a report that uh, truly reflects the issues within our community and has tangible recommendations that can um, be implemented quickly. So thank you, Stephanie, for sharing all of that information and providing this update in regards to what the Indian Affairs Department is doing to address the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls crisis here in New Mexico. Um, so before we go, do you have any last words that you want to say? I just want to say that I think um, I'm really proud of all of the advocates that we have in our community right now. But more importantly than the advocates are the women who have gone through these experiences and are sharing their stories with us. And we feel very um, honored to be on the receiving end of those stories and to hold those stories for them. Um, and they're not just stories, they're experiences. And so the responsibility of this department is really huge that, um, that these stories don't just get filed away, but that something actually comes out of this task force that will um, bring us closer to solving this, this crisis for the women in our state, but also serving as a model for, um, you know, for what other states can do on a national level. So um, I am just very grateful, and we want this to be an inclusive process. So um, we're open to feedback, and we welcome it. So. I, with that, thank you, Shana. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing all the information that you did. So with that, I just want to say regarding the task force, um, everyone be sure to be on the lookout for the official appointments of that task force, which will hopefully be in the next coming month or so, because it's going to be very important. And like Stephanie said, IAB is open to feedback on this because this is directly involving all of our indigenous communities in New Mexico. And so um, I think we all want to really be a part of that and aware of that process. Um, Stephanie also mentioned that IAD has attended different community events, one of them being the, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Forum. And so Council Delegate Amber Crotty, who has delivered a lot of testimony in regards to MMIW, will be sitting down to talk with us tomorrow. So um, we really want it to be inclusive on including the community aspect, a more legislative state aspect, and then also um, the Navajo Nation perspective as well. Um, that's been our podcast for today. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm.